0: watch him hit a few balls all right so tell me your names again
1: i'm venus i'm serena
0: so what'd you think and we're back welcome once again to another episode of mike mike and oscar another oscars profile for another headliner of the year a big movie as we are here to review king richard uh something that has been a repeat player in our 100 percent accurate way too early oscar predictions for a couple years in a row i am your co-host mike one this is co-host also mike yeah chickens
1: came home to roost here which is <laughs> usually a a negative saying but in, in in this case i i'm feeling vindicated i feel good i th- i feel like this movie delivered in a, in a major way yeah and and these chickens are uh atop the uh Atop the barn and they're they're triumphant. What I'll
0: what am I going. talking about? Yeah, I will, right? Just keep going. Just I wasn't going to answer. going to go.
1: The, the, no yes and no nothing. Just let no. me talk yeah. about chickens like I, a
0: tomato on the vine. I was going to let you go past ripe. Why did that come in my head? I didn't write the intro today, so that's why. I was going to say ridiculous. too. "Chickens home to roost" is not only a saying negatively, it's but a it's negative a one. saying reserved for like sixty to seventy year old men. I think you it know? is. Yeah, it is the <laughs> oldest,
1: dumbest saying. That means nothing to us or our generation. Mm -hmm. Good. And I I led with that today. I led so with we're that down my love favorite.
0: fifteen.
1: You would say right
0: now in this review,
1: <laughs> one of my favorite movies of the year. That's how we started. But all right, let's uh, let's dive right into it and get past my analogies, which I always suck at. Uh, critical reception for King Richard: ninety two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, one hundred seventy one reviews, a seventy one Metascore. Audience scores also extremely good. Ninety nine percent Rotten Tomatoes, seven point five out of ten on IMDb, five point one views there, and an A A cinema score, Michael. Uh, this movie is well-liked right now.
0: And it should be. We're both very high on it ourselves to kind of not so bury the lead, but it, it's another case of WB... Doing the plat the the not platform but the day and date release the the multi release in Cineplexes and also on home and I think that's definitely hurt its box office numbers which was a big talking point uh, throughout film Twitter it hurts his box office numbers if that's the type of thing you want to focus on I should say it should not be the type of thing yeah.
1: we want to dwell on I would say <laughs> because look I mean we've been critics critics of the day and dates out there because we're worried about movie theaters. And I think that right. is still valid, even though I'm very much encouraged by the increased and steady box office of mm-hmm. late, because even in a weekend like this one, Ghostbusters does 44 million. Now, is that what you would have hoped Ghostbusters did if you were in a box office pool two years ago? I don't know, but I do know. Yeah. Anytime a movie leads the weekend with uh 40 something million, that's a solid, That's a solid thing for for box office and for movie theaters. Now, King Richard, 8.2 total. Not what they wanted. Obviously, it's a $50 million budget or something. Mm. $20 million of that is the uh, price tag for Will Smith. And I think he got a $20 million back end automatically given to him. But here's the thing. We have HBO Max now with 74 million subscribers. Last year at this time, Michael, we covered the story and they were at 38 million. Crazy. 38. So they've almost doubled their subscribers at this point if you do some simple math and an average like $13 a subscription mm-hmm. because the the regular subscription 16, you know, a lot of people are still kind of, you know, going off their HBO subscriptions right. which is 10 in some cases. So let's just say the average subscription is 13. Do yep. that math, it's like $949 million a month. They're basically <laughs> making a billion dollars a month right now for subs on HBO Max. So 12 months, $12, $12 billion, mm-hmm. and $12 billion a year is pretty damn good profit or whatever. It's pretty damn good uh, earnings when you take away the budgets that you had to throw at the streaming service which we talked about, added up to around $3 billion in theatrically planned for production budgets. All these movies, that slate that from Wonder Woman 1984 through Godzilla and Mortal Kombat through Conjuring 3 and Dune and now King Richard all the way out to the Matrix Res three billion dollars it's no it's not chump change and it
0: hurts movie theaters however and it's it's revenue they get to keep all of it
1: all of it they're keeping yeah. and if and if that's something around five six billion whatever they made this year in addition to what they were going to make right it i mean it pales into the compa- in comparison to what they are now going to make now that their pipeline has caught up so now that, yeah, the Batman's going to go and still make its money at the box office, but they have Batgirl and Blue Beetle headed to HBO mm-hmm. Max, not, not to mention all of their, you know, the Penguin series and all their series, which I think are the bigger draw, which all of these streamers realize is the real true draw to most of these subscription services. Never, I mean, the movies are great, but we we have a situation right now where Warners is very healthy. They were able to get out from under their conglomerate. This is, this is robust money-making possibilities, and, and, they're ma- and they're pulling it off right now. So who gives a damn about the cherry <laughs> on top? Who gives a damn about the uh, bonus money that they're making at the box office with this day and date? That's why this is the silliest argument ever. They're, not, they're ignoring the real math that's in play here in the billions when we're talking yeah. about streaming services, and they're arguing over literally tens of millions
0: at the box office so a couple things uh one and that's what you just said not only is it obviously uh, the truth but it's also why we keep saying studios aren't worried about theaters that's just not their concern well that's and why they call- aren't right, exactly if you follow the numbers why they aren't concerned with theaters is because they have this war chest right now of revenue flying into them that they get to keep all of it instead of splitting half of the theater and it's making them money hand over fist right now. So their concern is building out their streaming, those who have the the uh, vertically integrated streaming service. That's what they want to do. That's what their focus is on. WB's focus is on HBO Max right now, more so than it is on theaters. Two, who the hell cares about the, the box office numbers? I We're going to find out because yeah. we know there's some people, a section at least of the Academy that's antiquated in their thinking every major trade michael which makes <laughs> m- makes me feel like i'm missing
1: something and I, maybe yeah. i maybe i am maybe i am maybe i'm sure. not seeing the 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 continental map through the forest through the trees here right you know right. and and that's and, possible and maybe I, I i'll be proven a fool at the end of it because I, again i don't know all of the overhead I don't know right. what they're dealing with. I don't know the profit sharing. I don't know what they're dealing it with. But when I look at their box office earnings, it's still around $1.5 to $1.75 billion on the year. Again, $3 billion worth of production budget. So they made half of it back. And then mm-hmm. they gave themselves the earning potential of this next year where they're going to earn 12 to 15 to $20 billion, just like Netflix had done. HBO Max is now a player on that level, on the Disney Plus level with 74 million subs.
0: Yeah, they seem very entrenched, at least at least as the number three must-have streaming service right now. Well, by probably the four
1: with, you know, Prime and Netflix are one, two, and then oh, yeah. you always forget Prime, but yeah, Disney's three. I always, do always yeah. forget
0: Prime, because, because Prime, Prime is shipping. <laughs> god bless amazon and what they're doing with amazon <laughs> studios but every you can't tell me there's more people out there who have amazon prime for the content right now than there are people who have it for the shipping right
1: their number of subs though are comparable to netflix right. they're the only uh, one
0: yeah so yeah either three or four i agree thank you for correcting me there but I, look this is this is what the ball game is right now another thing we don't know though is what these you know what's going to matter more come oscar's time is it going to be the sh- the screener pile is it going to be th- the hbo max availability of these things what's how much how many people are actually watching this on hbo max we'll never know because streamers don't like giving out their numbers unless they have some kind of fake number to tout like we saw with netflix talking about red notice and how like (laughs) what a ridiculous why 172 million hours. i don't know what that means but that's what they you know that's what the streaming game is right now so they would have made 17 billion dollars
1: if right, they released it in theaters, I agree. <laughs> exactly, that's
0: what they try to, to make it sound like. So uh, a lot of stuff up in the air that we just don't know. We're, we're doing our best to keep up with it. But yeah, what can't be denied and what is known is HBO Max is making a ton of money for w- Warner Brothers.
1: $1.7 would have been the correct uh, uh, hyperbole in that regard. See, folks, I'll admit, if I don't move the decimal place <laughs> to the correct spot, maybe I'm screwing this up. But, uh, all right, enough math, enough dumb. uh proclamations from me uh let's look at the awards resume for king richard uh major film festival awards at denver heartland chicago film fest 919 philadelphia and scad savannah Uh, otherwise the score and song we talked about how they were nominated at the hmmas and will smith and anjanu ellis uh they received performers of the year awards at santa barbara with uh smith getting an additional tribute award at the heartland international film festival Michael, I mean, it, it had a good festival season. It played at most of them. And the industry, at least the youth of the industry, attended those festivals. So this does
0: matter. It, it certainly does. And we've. what also matters is momentum that this film has seemed to have for a couple months already before its debut and before even the first uh, premieres of it. Because... Like we've mentioned here, or at least I've mentioned a couple times, it's best actor, lead actor specifically, has felt like this inevitable impending coronation for Will Smith based off this movie, and not that momentum, you know, is everything in award season, but it certainly helps you become the front runner. I mean, look at Belfast right now; that's the movie to beat in Best Picture. So by that same logic, Will Smith would seem to be the name to beat right now, and he hasn't really lost any of that momentum uh, as this made its debut and people got their hands on it. Here's the plot premise: a look at how tennis superstars Venus and Serena Williams became who they are after the coaching from their father Richard Williams. So our expectations
1: were huge for this movie. Yeah, uh, we were both predicting King Richard for best actor, supporting actor, actress, and best picture since the beginning of 2020. Never mind the beginning of this year, 2021. I mean, this was a buzzworthy film yep. on our list because of the uh, bidding war that we knew. Uh, was out there and and because Warner Brothers won it and because one of the biggest movie stars on the planet was attached and because mm-hmm. we're big sports fans we've just been covering this movie for a while and previewing this movie for a while to the point where last year I was like I, I, I thought they were just going to inject it as the late breaker in the yeah, uh, in the right. season I said it to all the way to the end to where yeah, every <laughs> I annoyed all the experts we brought on. <laughs> hey, do you think they should just release King Richard and Will Smith could win this year?
0: And Well they uh, put the vehicle they held it and they put they have, to their credit, put the vehicle behind it because this has been marketed everywhere.
1: Right. So this was Really well-timed for this moment. Now, does it have the legs? Does it have the legs to get all the way home? We'll talk about that for the next Can like, few Can it get months. back
0: to center court each time the volley is in play? Tennis. We, Yeah, we
1: probably shouldn't <laughs> be making the sports analogies either. I, I I, definitely shouldn't be making the farming analogies, but the tennis analogies, yeah, I, I don't have a handle on those as well. But all right. Where did you watch this? I watched this. At home again and again and again and again on HBO Max. And I almost went to the movie theaters last night. But here's the problem, Michael. I wanted to see like an early movie. I was like, all right, I'm up. I'm old. I'm almost 40. And I uh, I would like to see a 930 film followed by a noon film. And that would be my movie going. Like I'll, I'll catch Ghostbusters while I'm there. But I, I'm looking at my theaters where I got to my subscriptions and I can't. I can't go until like three o'clock in the afternoon. So I'll put out one more caveat. I'll feel better about the movie theater industry when they got the early show times again. Yeah, on the I've noticed
0: that myself as well. There hasn't been uh, you not. Yeah, I, I'm with you. They've been kind of slow playing to open up, and that worries me as well. Um, I like you though. I watched this one and a half times in the comfort of my own home on HBO Max. Yeah, you had uh, to. I knocked out the first hour plus one night, and then uh, I knew it was something that uh, that mom won, wanted to come watch with me. So I, I waited for her, and we knocked it out on Sunday with the whole thing. Uh, finished it up and was taking notes throughout. So I'll tell you this much, not to kind of hide, I guess tease my review a little bit, but this was like the first contender where I actually like felt something in me. like, And I don't know, I'm sure it's biased because I'm a sports you know, I've been an athlete all my life and I'm a sucker for sports movies as it is. But mm. like and I was so excited for this one anyway, like you just finished mentioning. But, man, this one really made me feel like we were in the middle of, uh, of an Oscar season. I think the pundits,
1: some pundits that we trust out there, they're speaking to that fact that this movie yeah. makes you feel and no matter who you are. It makes you feel like all of the Academy is going to respond to this one. It's the most obvious thing ever. They could feel it. They could feel it through what everybody's saying. And obviously they could they could sense it. And I do I do think that's a testament to the composition overall. This is directed by Ronaldo Marcus Green of Monsters and Men and Joe Bell. He's fourth on Clayton's list for Best Director, fifth on Feinberg. This is a script that Zach Balin wrote. Uh, He's going to do the upcoming Creed 3, but this was one that was like an elite level, shopping around Hollywood, who's going to get to do it. Like I said, Bidding War, This script right now is third on Feinberg, next best picture, and fourth with Davis. And then this is edited by the Oscar-nominated Pamela Martin from The Fighter, and the editing is fourth on two of those Pundit services that we follow. So, of course, Best Picture is right here. The pundits are all over it. Feinberg forecast has it as his first, his number one contender right now, his front runner. Clayton Davis has has it at second with next best picture there as well. This movie is really taking charge right now with the people that cover this the closest. I wonder if it. I mean, I wonder if that counts as much as we hope it would count in November. But as for that watchability, uh, the the composition and the composition categories are
0: praising this across the board. Rightfully so. It's... Having its moment, though, so you always got to be wary of that in terms of odds and where, you know, anytime the public actually gets their hands on something is if it's living up to Oscar standards, that's when its odds are going to be most short until we actually get into the uh, the voting season and everyone's seen everything once again and comes back around to it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I agree. This one is easily worthy of all the praise i'm a little surprised actually that editing is so low i would expect it to be a little higher on the uh the experts list just because for two hours and almost two and a half hours worth of film there was no lulls i i didn't feel any way i mean i was i have tough time watching movies at home i'm easily distracted and if something doesn't like pull me in and keep my attention for like 10-minute or 15-minute chunks at a time, I find myself zoning out quite a bit. There's just too many distractions between the dogs and and the computer and phone and all that. But this one held my attention. I, I wasn't bored. I wasn't sleepy. I wasn't anything. So for two and a half hours to keep me invested as much as it was... And yeah, I'm a sports fan, but I wasn't like... I'm not the huge... Big Williams advocate my entire life. Right, I know them are not and I certainly tennis respect them exactly. I'm not a tennis fan by and large at all. I'll watch it if it's on, but I don't go out of my way to check it out or keep up with it. So I really think there was something to this movie that's certainly worthy of being so high on all these lists i I
1: totally agree this This was extremely watchable. I want to show people this movie. I think uh, I think when I realized it was two hours and 24 minutes, I was very afraid. Same. And then it was a breeze. It was a breeze yeah. to get through. So that's that's a huge plus in its favor. You talked about the screener pile argument. If everybody's saying, like, this is a good time and this is a, f- a fast watch and an easy watch, we always talk about flow and tempo mm-hmm. for best picture winners. Sure. And Absolutely. I thought Nomadland was very, very, uh, Bing Bang Boom with that. I thought, I thought, I thought it, it doesn't have the muscular editing of a sci-fi film. Maybe it doesn't have, you know, the, the you know, it's definitely not a a misery porn kind of thing. You don't have no. To it's just fight an easy watch.
0: It. It's just an easy watch, and you actually, you, I think you're educated, and you feel good. It's one of
1: those. It's one of those that where the tone and the tempo works, and that feels very best picturey. I think that's what a lot of people are responding to now, there was a bit of a controversy this weekend on Twitter, and we do not want to be the arbiters of this argument, but we do need to address it because of our job here as pundits mm-hmm. and Oscar pundits and our job of reviewing the film because because I mean, it comes to the nexus of kind of what we've been talking about for five years, Mike. And that's the underrepresented uh, the systemic issues of uh, racism and misogyny that are still lingering in the uh, in the industry that are yep. not solved. And we do want to address it from both those sides. So this is a story about Richard Williams produced by three of his daughters, two of uh, one of his stepdaughters and, and Venus and Serena. Venus mm-hmm. and Serena are executive producers. They kind of gave their final stamp of approval late even though they were interviewed before and during we have isha price who is i believe one of the middle daughters in the five that are showcased in this film and and portrayed in this film as part as the five girls in this family she was a producer from day one and actually before day one when the script was going around she could corrected a lot of the script from zach Balin. she got you know her family to be interviewed for the project and and mind for that, like Oracine, the mother, was interviewed for this project about Richard Williams, who did not participate himself, even though his biography was consulted. So mm-hmm. Lindrea Price was the other sister involved here, and she was a costumer. She was part of Sharon West's costume crew there. Now, it is a movie about the father. It is a movie about the father, even though the draw is Serena and Venus Williams' great career. And someone called that out this weekend. Dr. Jessica Taylor, 88,000 followers, uh, psychologist, best-selling feminist author. She tweeted about the project saying this, quote, Did they seriously make a film called King Richard about the success of Serena and Venus Williams, but it's about their dad, Richard? And... That was the first of several tweets. We won't necessarily get into them. Feminists like Dr. Jessica were were angry this weekend, and they, they don't want the POV character to be a man when the success is had by the women, especially in this family. Now, black film critics have also been, in our space, praising this portrayal of a loving black father. Mm-hmm. So we're again we're not arbiters in this thing. We kind of just got to take a step back and talk about the project as something where, you know, what's the finished project? I can't I can't do the hypotheticals where well what would have been,
0: you know, if it was a movie where the girls were the POV characters. Well, there's there's a couple facts of the conversation that you can just lay out and and let people decide for themselves. I mean, one of those is that like you said. The Williams sisters are executive producers on this. I mean, the Williams family was heavily involved in the making of this movie in a hands-on sense in a lot of aspects. Um, I'm not trying to put my two cents in, but as I understand the argument, I would be much more uh, offended on their behalf if that weren't true. I mean, they were pushing, the family was pushing to get this movie made and made in their image. I think that has to account for something. And furthermore, when you watch the movie, you could, I mean, yes, obviously Will Smith is the lead actor, but you could argue that not only is Anjanu Ellis a main player, Saniya Sidney, who plays Venus, is, you could argue she's the lead actress as well. She has a ton of agency and a ton of character arc, and she plays a major role within this movie. So, those are just the facts of what is happening behind the camera and in front of it. I I don't know that I personally, if you want a, a POV on this, I don't know that I personally can get all up in arms about it. I completely understand that everyone wants the Venus and Serena movie, and I think they're worthy of having a Venus and Serena movie. I don't think this was the Venus and Serena movie from its inception, is kind of what I would say. Right. I think this was the move, the Williams family movie about the parents, not just Richard Williams, but about Brandy Williams as well. Here's where I agree with you.
1: And then here's, I'll, I'll throw this last caveat out there again. I mean, I think, you know, we've, we've been saying it for five years, but I do think in terms of where I can lend some, I don't know if you want to say expertise, but whatever. I think as a screenwriting student, as a screenwriter, this works as a mentor hero story. Mm-hmm. And that's a testament to the family's involvement because- Mentor hero stories don't always come down on the mentor hero as a heroic person. They usually have to learn serious, severe lessons, climactic lessons, uh, where their mentees, where their students teach the teachers, where their uh, students are empowered to do things on their own, whether Gene Hackman, and again, not a great example because Hoosiers has a lot of problems racially (laughs) and otherwise, but Gene Hackman has to listen to his players at the end of Hoosiers. Right. Brad Pitt listens to his daughter at the end of Moneyball. Jack Black has to listen to his students at the end of School of Rock. Denzel Mm -hmm. Washington, he inspires his former rival coach to stand up for his team and lobby the referees in that instance, Coach Yost. Uh, against his Hall of Fame enshrinement. I'm not spoiling whatever, but I think I, I, I steered clear of too many spoilers. King Richard <laughs> does, in fact, rely on the agency of the women characters, and the women characters a thousand get
0: their say in this movie. I mean, they th- 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 not only do they get their say, their say drives, I mean, it basically controls the Richard character. That's it drives the, the, the back half up. of the film, yeah, yes. So. so I
1: was heartened by that fact. Now, after a century of films, Hollywood... Typically, of course ha- there's
0: that frustration. Yeah, yeah, they've
1: given its female characters a backseat, if any seat at all. Uh, the Hollywood of old, I mean, they've had hundreds of storylines where female characters are demoted and given supporting roles instead of lead roles. We've covered this to a point where we can't cover it anymore. It just was so soul crushing mm-hmm. for us when we were a retrospective podcast, when we were, we just couldn't do it physically. We we're just getting too angry uh, about the the history of Hollywood and that. and and that mark
0: uh, against them and here's the frustration where you can tell the story of not only a woman character but two female characters and not only two female characters but two black female characters who are truly heroic and stand for something and are great assets and always have been with cover with handling the media and their portrayal of themselves and have been nothing but the utmost respect and shining a light on tennis and other issues and you know i I completely understand the frustration I, i do well, I just we've we've covered like the the Oscars
1: history with sports mom movies. They aren't great, and they mm-hmm. don't put sports moms in the light that they should be in. Like I Tonya, divisive portrayal to say the least. <laughs> the Blind Side, a white savior story, right. riddled sure. with issues. And and we have what we have here is seemingly a story about female sports heroes that is put in the POV of the father, but that typical character of the wife mother usually the naysayer of a film whether it's talia shire and the rocky films which again you know is a bit subverted why i like the rocky films a little more than some other movies but then yeah, she's the quote-unquote nagging wife
0: she's not rachel mcadams from the fighter or right from the, uh, yeah from southpaw
1: here the, you know? the, the the quote-unquote nagging wife that old white insecure male hollywood written stereotype right, exactly that has dominated sports movies for 50 years. And, and that's not present here. That is undercut here. That is subverted yeah. here, thankfully, graciously, and triumphantly in King Richard. So, I agree.
0: To the extent, by the way, that I'm yeah. going to say one of the actress categories should be done. I don't know that it necessarily is, but that's how good it was. this character was written and how awesome the performance is.
1: Well, you know, let's start with Anjanue Ellis then. Yeah. Let's start with Anjanue Ellis. She right now is... Uh, Second on Nespec's picture, third on Award Circuit, and third with the Feinberg Forecast. She's a two time Emmy nominee from Lovecraft Country. And when they see us, we've covered her work. And if Beale Street could talk, get on up and the help. She is in the mix of major contenders of what is a fairly wide open category with Katrina Balfe, etc. So where does she stack up for you? I mean, she's she is the
0: top of the mountain for you right now. She's I, the top uh, of your list. I mean, she. This is the, to me. This performance in that one scene, I mean, and sometimes the supporting categories come down to one scene. Not that right. she only was good in one scene, but th- it was, this one scene was so powerful to me anyway and so jumping off the screen that I cannot fathom there being a performance from a supporting character where we're going to say, well, that was clearly better than what Anjanute Ellis did in King Richard this year. I mean, this is to, this has to be top two at worst. Right now it's number one, but I'm just saving that other spot in case something rises to the level of this one. I can't fathom something being better than what ingenue ellis did truly i I mean the way this character was written the way she is this silent strength until she cannot be silent anymore and she she's only silent for the benefit of the family i mean Mm -hmm. she's she's choosing to be silent and then scolding richard when she knows that she has him alone she has to put on this strong front but she's the one in charge at the end of the day even though richard is blustering and all ego about it and my god does she put him in his place it does she needs to
1: it does feel like the character has this add these added stakes to her, where she's correcting these misinformed stereotypes on the one hand, sure, um, in a meta sense pulling back, but she's also got that big scene in the kitchen, which is just undeniably terrific. Out, uh, we're gonna go over it and spoilers. Mm-hmm. She's got a, a smaller scene leading up to that with the neighbor. She's got a smaller scene opposite Will Smith in the van. Uh, she's got a scene in the bedroom opposite Will Smith. So she's got like a trio of scenes that build up to her big one. Yeah. And I think it's cool that she gets a lot of the, uh, you know, she gets some coaching montage. She gets
0: some. Uh, she's re- everywhere. I mean, she's she, yeah. every aspect of, of a matriarchal leader of a family because she's powerful. She's strong in her silence. She's uh, She's not only being the outspoken coach and the kind of, Tongue in cheek, pulling one over on the father when she knows she has to kind of play these mental games with her. When Serena is allowed to play in the tournament, and she obviously knows about it, and he doesn't—that's not a spoiler, but—but uh, but she's also, you know, she's just hanging out with her daughters in some scene leading up to Ve- Venus's big match. She's there just doing the hair with both of them. It's just so—it's—it's—it's it's, it's beautiful. It really is. It's quite the performance.
1: It's versatile. It's nuanced. It's—it's it's all there. And sometimes she's not the focus of a particular shot, and she's the one. You know, assisting the other characters. Supporting. Yeah, literally I mean,
0: supporting, yeah.
1: Literally supporting everybody else in the ensemble. And the daughters are, are, are their performances are going up because her reaction shots are so 100%. giving. And and that's what we talk about with assist men and women when we talk about, you know, these kind of uh, supporting performances. And so, like her character, she's underpraised, under acknowledged, underappreciated. Until
0: she's gonna be undeniable at the end right. of the
1: day. So now I,
0: can I see can I see the Academy fumbling the bag here and not absolutely, but do you think Mike I mean she has to be at least nominated, no? I think she should be nominated. I think she will be
1: nominated. I think this movie's gonna have the cachet at the end of it all. I do. Too. I don't know where the category is gonna land though, because I do think the category is wide open. I do Agreed. think she's got a couple of scenes, but so did Katrina Balf. Uh, yep. So does Endowed? So do, like, where is this category going? We don't know quite yet. So it's going to depend. Now, there's also the factor that Will Smith is out in the early lead, and does that, you know, we, we we've seen it before. Does that mean you know other c- categories get ignored or get put on? the, Well, we can give this movie a, an award for this category. Do we have mm-hmm. to give this movie an award for the other category?
0: The I don't know. Puzzle thing coming
1: into play. It's the I think Oscars puzzle thing.
0: Uh, I look, Will Smith, was he as good as advertising as hyped up to be, man, he was really freaking good in this really, I mean, good. he really, really was good. And he's obviously uh, he's first on Feinberg's right now. He's first on award circuit, first on next best picture. He's, he's first wherever you look, quite frankly. Um, I, I think the only thing I can say about like taking points away from anything is that me, like he was so hyped up that I, I like, I don't think the category is closed. Because you can't live up to those kinds of expectations, right? Right.
1: The, whenever that level of hype is thrown out there, it, right. it's hard. And I would say the same for Kristen Stewart. I think they are both front yeah, runners. Yeah, that's a good point. They're worthy front runners. Is it sewn shut? No, absolutely not. I think we've had a great year, uh, especially in the lead actor category, and that is not even close to being uh, decided yet. So right. here's what I will say for Will Smith. I think there's a lot of great scenes in between the big ones that we knew he kind of landed from the mm-hmm. trailer stage on from the the early impressions at film festivals on where yeah he delivers those huge scenes to to an emotional level where i'm in tears where everybody's in tears where you are you got goosebumps and 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 he delivers like 5 of them never mind the last two huge ones but like 5 of them in this movie so where you said so i am awed by that fact, but here's the thing: like the mimicry is there, the walk yeah. and the posture, and, and the Bill cadence, Simmons too. Yeah, the big picture was talking about it. Like he's not a typical actor that does the transformation. Will Smith, he's such a mo- super duper movie star that he's always drove his box office on his own charisma, on himself. Just a testament to who he is and how charming he is. So. Richard Williams has bad feet, and here Will Smith is kind of lumbering and moseying around Mm -hmm. with those bad feet. Richard Williams did not always have good posture, and we learn why. We learn why, because of his upbringing, because of, I mean, the film delves into his self-esteem issues. So he's got different teeth, he's got signs of gray in the beard. This is as transformative a physical appearance as Will Smith is going to do. It's not a limp and an eye patch, as we've heard Will Ferrell make fun of in other movies? It's not a you know set of Winston Churchill jowls or a you know a transformation into a you know an all time you know great singer songwriter that we've seen awarded at this show, but it is Will Smith doing a character, and he should be you know for for all the nuance of this performance, he should be applauded for it.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean. If you're going into this expecting because of the hype, if you want Daniel Day Lewis and Lincoln, I, I don't think it get you don't. I don't think you lose. You could still see Will Smith. Is kind of what I'm trying to say. Well, but that's the thing. We
1: don't know. Like we like the, Abraham Lincoln or Freddie Mercury. It's a different ball game. Like we don't know Richard Williams. But when you hear Richard Williams at the end of the movie during the credits, like he sounds like Richard Williams.
0: Yes, I Absolutely agree. The mimicry is is yeah. is spot on, and he. This is as transformative. That's a good point too. This is as transformative we've seen Will Smith since probably Ali, which was twenty years ago at this point. True. Well, my God, we're old.
1: But so, here's the thing: like all the decisions he makes, they're not the big showy ones either. That's why I think the Academy's gonna gonna bite into this performance and really enjoy it because I do oh, think Oh, it's, act,
0: it's actor'y stuff, hundred percent actor'y yeah, stuff. Yeah, he's little making minutia. quiet choices yeah. throughout this film too. I wish. I just. I God, I wish he never did concussion. Because there's so many lines in this movie that are, and I think it's yeah, that's a you problem though, isn't it? Well, no, there's so many lines that are tailor made for the the trailer. They were just written for the trailer because they're just like emphasis, they're punched up lines. And I've seen more than one person on Twitter like mimic the oh well this line is the tell the truth line from concussion i saw that like at least two times and i had that thought as well independently and like that can't be good that that thought is out there
1: (laughs) you gotta sell the movie i guess and you're right there are cliched scenes in act one and act three that bothered me quite a bit that we'll talk about in our worst scenes but uh, yeah a lot of those are from a lot of those trailer moments those sound bites right yeah they're bothersome is that contrived. his fault? Is yeah. that, yeah, you're right. They're, they're contrived. Now, all right, we got two major contenders, like no brainer contenders. I think, yeah, I think opinion, we have nominees. two nominees, right? Yeah. Absolute locks for nominees, at least, no? Well, and whenever we say lock, you know, we get in trouble, don't we? So, I mean, I would say they're, you know, he's a front runner. She is a top tier level contender right now. They're locks. I'm saying it. (laughs) Screw it. They're in. I'm glad. I'm glad. (laughs) All right. Supporting actor, though. uh, John Barenthal, he's third on Next Best Picture, fifth on Feinberg, 18th with Clayton, though. So I've seen a lot of variety. Never mind at variety, but a lot of variety in this category (laughs) of supporting actor. John Barenthal, an MMO favorite, Baby Driver, Wind Wind River, Widows, obviously The Many Saints of Newark, The Unforgivable, Ford v. Ferrari. We've covered him on those movies uh tv shows like the punisher and walkie dead he is a chameleon and here he's got this hairdo that's the weirdest thing he's sported in a while which is saying a lot for him he's good i just don't know if he's like does he differentiate himself from the field mike
0: as someone who has a best friend from the uh philly area that really sounded like a guy not from Philly mimicking a Philly accent more than it did sound like a guy from Philly. Here's the heartwarming part of what John Bernthal did, though. <laughs> I saw Rick Macy, the actual Rick Macy, like, retweeting the most general compliments about Bernthal's performance on Twitter over the weekend. Like, he retweeted, like, somebody said, the actor who played Rick Macy was very good. <laughs> he <laughs> <basically> retweeted it. I thought <laughs> that was funny, but yeah, I, I tend to agree more with you and with Clayton Davis than I do uh next best picture, maybe, and even our buddy Scott. I it's it's fine. He's very giving to the Richard character. Good,
1: yeah, he's an assist man. He's supporting yeah. in that regard, and I those are his best scenes when he you know he's got the big scene with with Richard Williams. That's his yeah, best and he, work. And he,
0: he helps, he helps the, uh, again, Sinaya Sidney, he helps the Venus character bring her game up too. And I don't know if that's more to do with the character of Rick Macy or if that's the quality of actor John Bernthal is. I, I just, you, you know, I wasn't in a, if you have a movie where you have a supporting actor who's blowing you away, like Angino Ellis did for me seeing another high quality performance that doesn't live up to that standard. I, you know, one to me is clearly an Oscar caliber performance. And one I think may fall short of that. Well, but it's I still tell you fine. What, it's still
1: good. John Bernthal is going to be knocking on the door at right. the end of Absolutely. this year, no matter what else happens. If he does fall away and and look, there could be 10 supporting actors in contention right now. Absolutely. To me, Jason Isaacs, uh, Jason Isaacs and Reed Bernie are still the best two. We just talked about Robin DeJesus and, Idris Elba, I reviewed his performance from *The Harder They Fall* a while back. Troy Kotzer we mentioned from *Coda*. Belfast. Andrew Garfield, yeah, and then and that yeah, uh, but I would say there's something special about the group I just mentioned. Something very special about each of those performances, nah. where Kieran Hines, Jamie Dornan, they have the higher profile from the adorable, happier movie. This kind of falls into that category for me, like where John Bernthal. I love his character. I love Kieran Hines' right. character and Jamie Dornan's character. The performances are really good. Are they special though? Are they next level? Do you wanna award give them all the awards? Like Cody Smith McPhee and Jesse Plemons might be you know, perfectly exhibiting my point. Where I think like Cody Smith McPhee's doing some weird, cool, nuanced stuff next level. Jesse Plemons is is being that assist man. But, I don't know. I, I just I think we got to study these more as the year goes
0: along. Twenty-two and, and, experts on Gold Derby. Only three have Burnthal in their top five right now. By the way.
1: Okay, so I mean he's. But then again, the variance is huge right now. It supporting is yeah, actors. absolutely. But, all right, well, let's praise the rest of this uh, ensemble: sanaya Sydney, Fences, Hidden Figures, American God. The Story. girls were great. Demi Singleton, Goldie, Godfather of Harlem they were not good they were great and uh, is what this a year. the
0: greatest child actor year we've ever had in what history?
1: a year for child actors my god uh we just reviewed jude hill uh woody norman i thought was extraordinary millicent simmons she yeah wow just just incredible work all year by child actors Actresses. Uh, I wonder if we're going to look at this film 10 years from now, the way we look back at uh, Panic Room with Kristen Stewart. And you're yeah, like, oh, maybe. my God, sure. Kristen Stewart was in this and she was great then or, or anything with Natalie Portman or anything with Scarlett Johansson or something. Right and you just like oh my god they were in this leo was a child actor
0: every rising star category at any awards precursor awards show is going to be absolutely fascinating to watch it's always one of our favorite categories anyway but you you have such a plethora of potential nominees for those categories this year a plethora not only of young actors and actors but of child actors and actresses too it's i don't know how you're going to choose
1: now i will say this a negative on the film is sonia sydney she can't put velocity on the ball <laughs>
0: Wow! Really? Okay.
1: No, that, and you could tell when the stunt doubles in and when the stunt double is not in. Uh, Nicole, Nicole Day okay. is an extraordinary okay. stunt double. I, I don't. I mean, I get why you'd want to jump down my throat because she is a great thespian, like a Denzel Washington cast her th- level thespian. That's she's a great actress, and she learned the ballet of tennis. She learned the technique when they zoom in on her for a shot. That's you know a finesse shot. She does a mm-hmm. beautiful job with it. And she gets all the mannerisms, right? She worked her ass off to do so. The problem is when they zoom out, you could tell when it's her and when it's the stud double because of the velocity on the ball.
0: And Demi Singleton didn't have that problem. She was nailing the ball. I'm not going to jump down your throat, maybe as much as you think, because what I was going to say is, well, all I was concerned about in those scenes is that I wasn't even concentrating on the girl themselves. Like, I am so tired of sports movies yeah. that have terrible form and technique. Well, that's good. <laughs> like, so that's and what this they got one, right. I thought yeah. nailed it. Like I was just amazed that this actually looked like high profile tennis matches. Ronaldo and that like Marcus Green serves and stuff like that. Yeah.
1: Know? He was an athlete his whole life growing up. So he knew he knew what looks like high level athletics and what does not. That being said, like I mean, I you know, I'm I'm with kids year-round, and over my summers, I spend my weekends, you know, high school baseball level games kind of thing, you know, with the Legion, American Legion there. Uh, Anyway, so I I know how fast these kids could throw, and then you watch, like, highlights of Venus and Serena Williams. It's the same problem that Will Smith had with Muhammad Ali. When Muhammad Ali was at his heyday, you watch highlights of Muhammad Ali, the speed and power he had was absurd. So if you like it's same thing with venus williams like when she nailed the ball just any that level of a tennis player puts right. velocity on the ball and we're watching her doing the impress the coach workouts auditions just hitting it like you know not, okay, not that's, that that's, fair. that's
0: something i have to go back and watch i didn't even notice it i'm surprised i didn't pick up on that good eye by you
1: it's a negative and i'm an ass but uh <laughs> what else is new all right title of this show maybe Production, yeah why would I even call it out I'm a joke all right production values best original song be alive by Beyonce Knowles Carter and Darius Scott first on Variety's award circuit with Clayton Davis first on next best picture second on the forecast we have this song playing over the credits I believed it it was a
0: cool ass song Uh, it's that no time to die right now I think those are the two that are going to be duking it out come Oscars time Makeup and hairstyling,
1: Jacinda Burkett, Carla Farmer, fourth on Variety's award circuit. I forgot to look up the next best picture ranking, but we do have a very authentic feel to the 1990s here. We, we you know, the costuming all makes sense. Costuming, we have uh, 29th on Variety's award circuit, but everything felt like that time period. It, did, it didn't have an off,
0: you know, visual as far as I'm concerned, right? No, not at all. And look, the big if you're going to make a movie that is focused on Venus Williams for the most part, you have to nail the uh that beaded dreadlock look that she was Trade famous yeah. for. Yeah. It was absolutely, I mean, that's how you knew it was Venus Williams, uh, when she was up and coming. I can remember being a, a kid watching that and just being fascinated, just like being glued to the TV when on Sports Center and stuff being like, Oh, that's cool. I've never seen that kind of look before with those beads flying all over the place. And I think they absolutely did that. So I, I would add them points for, I don't know if that's makeup and hairstyling or if that's costume design, but whatever it is, they, they nailed that. Look, I got goosebumps when she was coming out of the locker room with it. Right, right. It, it was
1: really cool. I'm glad they saved it to the end too. Same in that regard. Uh, Chris Bowers of Green Book, seventh on next best picture right now, twelfth on award circuit. That score really works for as a sports movie score. Agree. I thought he nailed it. Does that get nominated in this particular year with such unique scores out there? Whether it's the the addictive, you know, hypnotic thing you get at the end of The Power of the Dog or a Hans Zimmer score. Or the Spencer, I mean, we've talked about original score of the last couple Oscar race checkpoints. It's loaded this year. Uh, we haven't even heard Don't Look Up yet. Could
0: yeah. be a type of thing where if the Academy does fall in love with this movie, this is, the score is one of those that's on the fringes that gets enough votes that comes along for the ride and is just a tack on nomination, even if it may not necessarily win. Sound design, top tens, top twenty, ninth on next best picture, nineteenth
1: on award circuit, Edward T's Richard Richard King, by the way. That's his name, and he's the sound designer on this movie. Ron Bartlett. That's interesting. Josh Berger. <laughs> uh I thought this sound, I mean, it sounded great. The composition works. Cinematography's perhaps a little low, but you wouldn't think cinematography gets uh the attention in this movie. Nineteenth on award circuit.
0: Except Robert that they Ellsworth. did make it look like it's pro tennis matches. Look, you know, right? I mean, credit, yeah.
1: credit should be given there. The visuals are there. He moves the yeah. hell out of the camera. I, I thought the editing is probably where this movie get, should get the most credit. Agree. A hundred percent. Yeah. We talked about that. So, all right. Our Oscar lens wrap up right now. I would say actor, supporting actor, actress, actor, supporting actress, original song, picture editing, original screenplay. Those are the two tiers. My top three and my second three. Those those are six very likely noms. I'm not going to call them locks. I know you said two locks in there. Where, you have screenplay that you have screenplay that high on this, huh? I'm a big fan of the screenplay. I think it's, it's very just,
0: good. I wonder if the academy is going to feel the same.
1: I just think it accomplishes so many things that this it transcends the genre. Michael, gosh oh, darn it, I can't believe that. I've used that I phrase, but that. it really does. It really does. Like the problems that the genre has faced, the. the most of those are gone here. And the worst scenes of the movie is where they kind of really embrace the genre and they got the cliched scenes. So I All think- right,
0: I'll, I th- I'll put, I would put the over-under for this. I mean, I don't, I would put the over-under at six and a half just because even if I don't necessarily agree that screenplay will, which I think screenplay should be there, but even Third on
1: I, Feinberg, fourth with uh, Next Best Picture right. and Clayton, I believe.
0: Right, I just, I just think it's going, I think five right now would be tough. You'd have to convince me that it's not going to get- actor supporting actress song uh editing and picture Mm -hmm. so i that's his floor probably and if it gets those five it's going to get probably one more which it should be screenplay i agree with you but whether it's not screenplay it could be makeup and hair could be sound i don't know but so i would say six and a half is is a solid over under for it if
1: not seven it probably doesn't go up to 10 but we did say makeup and hair score costume Mm -hmm. supporting actor sound you never know you never know in those categories it's in a lot of tens but there's variance right now it's early it's very early so we'll have to wait and see obviously this is a recommendation from us though let's uh let's dive into spoilers
0: spoilers ahead this is a spoiler warning spoilers spoilers Spoilers. 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 Mike, Mike, and Oscar! Oscar Sprint Spoilers! This is the spoiler section for the movie King Richard, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar in the Oscars Profile episode. Uh, If you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause. You can either go check it out at your local theater or it is streaming now for you on HBO Max. Uh, We'll be here waiting for you to come back and hit play on us once you are done seeing the film. If you've seen it already or if you're just curious to hear our thoughts about the plot and the ins and outs, this is where we are now. All spoilers from this point forward for the movie King Richard, uh, the Oscars Profile episode brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. All right, I think we've covered a lot of ground already in yeah, non-spoilers, agreed. but
1: I do kind of want to hone in on a few scenes and, and, a, and a few themes here. Let's kind of start with the major plot plot line and the plot structure. This is, a again, a mentor hero story, and mentor hero stories at least most of them that i've seen i'm not going to spoil 20 of my favorites for you right now because (laughs) it'll tell you that they lose but they're about failure they're about losing the big Mm. game and here we have this particular story about richard williams not venus and serena showcasing how the girls overcome their early career failures just like anybody would if they're an eighth grader going against the number one tennis pro in the world so, she, yeah, I mean, it's a moral victory. It's the it's the definition of a moral victory. And the, the fact that the movie ends on a, a loss, is this is the only story you could tell about them where it does, you know, in a way, right? right, it, it, right. If you told the career story of Serena Williams, she's the GOAT, greatest right. of all time. Venus Williams, she's probably <laughs> second. And the two of them together as a doubles, the greatest. Yeah. So this genre can only play out if richard williams is the flawed protagonist and he is a flawed protagonist now there is some pros and cons to that the the cons to it is they you know i, th- I think people can argue they gloss over a lot of his issues his biggest issues or his, his auxiliary issues outside the family like he abandoned his first family mm. by some cases he became you know either misunderstood by the the white sports media which is <laughs> likely and, yeah. and and no doubt the case but he's all, he also became this kind of braggadocious sports dad in in a way where it kind of go, went against his own principles and what he was trying to teach the girls now every chance Serena and Venus have ever gotten they've praised their father for the upbringing Yes. and now you realize why there was this disconnect with the media's portrayal of the quote unquote lunatic sports dad which they said on the big picture the lavar ball thing
0: but what that nobody knew was the behind the scenes i, I think it's the biggest uh takeaway the not takeaway the biggest negative if, if this movie's gonna lose points or if the script's gonna lose points it's that I, I wish the the character was Treated um, a lot of characters are very deferential to Richard Williams, and he's his word kind of goes a lot. And I'm sure that was true within the family, but they make that true in every aspect of life. I mean, there are professional tennis pros. Uh, he just walks up to you know Pete Sampras and John McEnroe's coach and is able to like just talk himself into these wild circumstances and still be able to kind of dictate to these guys. That he's by the doing, end yeah. doing things on their on his own terms. Well, by the middle, by the end. Well, that's the thing. Like this movie
1: is very just very simple in regards to how other characters react to him. I right. Would say. Exactly. Like, so the development is act one: people literally either ignore him or they beat him up and abuse him. And act two, he is gaining some ground, and you got that push and pull, of the conflict, till he finds people where. You know, he is in charge and then he gets, you know, it's very clearly until his wife puts him in a, in a better place or a scene price puts mm-hmm. him in a better place. He goes overboard a little bit and where right. his phobias can run out of control, where his ego and self-esteem issues come into play. And I think the movie does a nice job characterizing all that. But you're right. I mean, it's a very obvious trajectory,
0: I would say, an obvious arc. And I don't know how even even in act like how does Paul Cohen not kick him out of practice? You know what I mean? (laughs) And just leave the camera there or that type of thing. But that's that's never addressed. He's just kind of he just says what he what he needs to say. But it it does serve an end, too, because he is an incredibly strong character and he knows he has to stand up for himself. And he does literally stand up for himself and his family at multiple points throughout the film. So I I get what they were going for. It just seems uh, here's the word again. It seems a little idyllic. But when the family, when the sisters are literally producing the film, how could it not be? I, I would
1: agree that they kind of throw a lot of his sins up to his face at the end of the movie yeah. and kind of exposition dumps with right. Orison, like you're not a great husband, right? <laughs> You've ignored me. I mean, these are major accusations right. that the film does not address exactly. And and even with the uh, media stuff, we we don't see that play out. We see one interaction with a media member. Where he is completely in the right, and it's one of the best scenes of the film. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're dealing with the image of a 14 year old black girl when she gives you an answer in you know with confidence. Leave it alone. That was a beautiful scene, and it's Ronaldo Marcus Green's one of his favorite scenes of the film that he talked about on that interview. Uh, I I think I think that is not our perception at all, and I'm glad it reversed our
0: perception of Richard Williams in context of the media. And at but, least he's consistently portrayed too. I mean, he's unapologetic right. throughout the, for the majority, I should say, of the film. I, I think, I think his ego is put in
1: check at the end of the day by Oracine, yes. by, by Andrew Ellis' character. So he's got to, he's got to go too far a few times. And, and those are some of the worst scenes of the movie where it's a pissing context between him and those agents, right? Yeah. One, uh, One of those two actors that we always confuse
0: Dylan McDermott or Dermot Mulroney. Dermot Mulroney. One of the two. Was it
1: you? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. I thought I
0: wrote down David Duchovny at first, so I was way off.
1: IMDB might be wrong. Uh, We, uh, we have his ego. That is the issue at the end of the film. And it's not just, it's not just the ego. It's the phobias. It's the trauma that he suffered. And that's, why this portrayal was so empathetic uh, both on a a screenplay level and in terms of you know in terms of will smith's performance and and, and for the direction and the context everything i I think i think that's that's very important for this story because they were able to handle micro and macro level conflicts so well they talk about they, they don't shy away from race and the, and, the, and the racial issues in this movie like he throws it to the face of these white agents we see the Rodney King newscast Yeah right?
0: and I was that's what I was going to say even when it's not being talked about or discussed uh, directly it's all it's in the background it's everywhere in this movie we have it's really Ven-
1: well. yeah we have little venus in tears at the end of the film feeling like she let down all the little black girls that her father mentioned in the speech beforehand because that's the trailer moment, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. every black girl on earth is going to look up to you and be benefited by your success, and here she thinks she failed them all, and the father recontextualizes it for her in a beautiful way, in a a way that is so supportive and nurturing and convincing, Mm -hmm. legitimately convincing. You're 14 years old. You just went against the number one player in the world. And it proves
0: right with the with the, with the the payoff of that scene. All the girls are out there waiting for her, cheering her. It's a tough tightrope to walk, too, because you do have race is always an issue. And, and being this proud man and this leader and this patriarch is always an issue. But you don't you're always on Richard's side. I mean, for the most part, obviously. And I think the movie does handle him with kid gloves in that way. And that could be a detriment. But like you don't lose fact that he's a human and his heart is in the right place i think
1: he's so, his heart is in the right place he's also very wise in terms of his coaching abilities and in terms of that he understands the sport that he's dealing with this is not football this is not a sport where you just got to get the the size and the speed and the athleticism down it's a sport of skill, of honing your craft. Everything those guys said at the beginning of the movie is true. Mm. It's a game where you have to be centered mentally and just very smart as as a player. And that's why I thought this portrayal of Venus Williams and Serena Williams, it wasn't about their athleticism it wasn't about all of the bullshit white caucasian things that people have mentioned in terms of superlatives on their career it was about their wisdom it was about their their smarts it was about their strategy it was about the the intelligence of richard williams's plan that was not only enhanced but perfected by oracine by serena and venus Mm. themselves getting the agency at the end of the movie where basically the big speech and that great scene in the kitchen between oracine and and, and richard oracine was just like hey we together raised a great kid she's ready to make this decision because guess what if you take her agency away here she's gonna reject you at the end of the day no matter what whether you're right or wrong." We got to let our, I mean, we raised this child the right way. We got to let her make her own decision in this regard. I mean, that's, if, if and ever, that's how, you
0: know, she's actually the one in control because it's just like the scene where he starts driving away without the girl yeah. convenience her. Cause he thinks they're bragging like, okay, Richard, your plan is, is the go to, but if your plan starts directly impacting or negatively affecting my children, fuck your plan.
1: Oh, you're going to make that big ego thing. You're yeah. going to do that now. No, she called him out on it. Right. And she got him to change. And he admitted to the change in this movie you could see at the at the final scene when Venus gets a spike he's like my wife taught her that yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. my wife taught her to serve even though he wouldn't admit it in the argument and I, I just this movie's full of, of, of moments like that and, and the whole end the last act of the film Richard Williams acquiesces to what his daughter wants to do right and to what his daughter wants to do not only in terms of of when she goes pro but what contracts he signs venus do you want to sign this three million dollar deal that would change my life forever and secure our financial right. futures no she, the the daughter wanted to earn her place and of course she earned a 12 million dollar deal at reebok yeah. when she was 15 <laughs> as the, the the end credits go out so i i, I just think the fact that Venus Williams is still competing to this day in her 40s, the fact that Serena Williams is still competing to this day, the, obviously they're, they're, you know, their resumes speak for themselves. But they were never burnt out. And you look back at how they managed the two from ages 14, 15, 16, 17. It wasn't too much too fast. They they did have that level of wisdom as parents, as coaches. It wasn't Jennifer Capriotti. He did... He did see that as a cautionary tale. He was wise enough to see that. And the girls and Richard Williams came together on a plan, which I think went against his phobias because he would have just held them out forever. That, right. Those are his phobias talking. Right. And he admits as much by gradually getting them into the sport a couple matches a year at 14 and 15 and then a couple tournaments a year. And then obviously 16 and 17, they played more regularly. Again, which is absurd So is that your belief?
0: Do you you believe that uh, if Richard, as as he was written in the screenplay, was left to his own devices, he would have just always come up with excuses to not let them go pro? I don't know. I don't know. I think the movie was going towards the fact
1: that he was very afraid of interrupting the status quo at that time, and it was because of his own issues of control, and and Oracine pegged it right then and there. It's because of his own phobias, and and it... yeah his fear and his shame too yeah yes yes and and she has that speech where she tells him off by building him up which again is so antithetical to every quote-unquote nagging wife character in the history of movies never mind sports movies she built him up in that scene even though you did xyz
0: very wrong i'm and not gonna hold me. your hand and tell you how great you are you dummy you have to figure that of out cu- on your own yeah,
1: but of course i've always thought you're right. you're you're wise with our kids and look at these kids and and she builds him up in that scene to the point where she gives him the agency to go power up the daughter and 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 make sure that the 14 year old daughter uh I mean, she didn't say, let's go talk to her together. She's like, no, you got to go fix this with your daughter. And because
0: it was unique to have those scenes. I mean, those are clearly the Oscar scenes back-to-back like that. Having Angela God. Ellis telling him off and then him going with tears in his eyes and admitting to Venus, I'm scared. I loved
1: that scene so much. Yeah, The follow-up, the payoff, mm-hmm. right? Where he is walking out there and, you know, I'm, I'm a girl's track coach and when they're mad, you know it, but... She's and rifling yeah, a, these tennis balls into his cart. That was point great. Point blank range. Yeah, <laughs> nailing them. He's dodging it. I just thought that was brilliant. And so you're mad, huh? <laughs> he he eventually just cuts the drill off, and they and they have that heart to heart, and it's eye opening for him as much as it's eye opening for her. It's an exchange. It's a it's an exchange where he doesn't treat his daughter like a kid. He yeah. treats his do- I mean he treats his daughter like a daughter where he does have to say, "Hey, this is why i'm I've been the way I am because I had this trauma
0: growing up, and they save that revelation for the end and again, yes, this is the movie about him being the father to Venus and Serena, but they also where I think this screenplay in this movie has success otherwise and why I say it's about the Williams family as a whole. There are contrivances within this screenplay, like the the cop scene the the um what do you call drive by shooting scene. I don't know that he necessarily had to be there. Uh, narratively. Yeah, so I, I actually but, researched that too. I ah mean, uh, anyway, so, but basically what
1: happened was he he was abused by that gang. He was right. beaten by the gang often enough. Uh, that's confirmed by the the Williams sisters confirmed in his biography. So he actually he did go and look for one of those characters. He did, you know, eventually go look for them one night. But he did came he ha- across did he see the drive by. He came across no. He came across yeah. another drive by shooting okay. after the fact, and that uh, thankfully took away his rage in right. the moment, and he and he went home.
0: But it, and I was gonna say, I mean, even when you have these and the the, the cops showing up at the house, like I think the cop showing up at the house, child was, services. You're talking okay, child yeah, services. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it. it was it was. A scene to show that Anjanu Ellis and Will Smith, those characters, are raising five girls in Compton, keeping them out of trouble. Not only keeping them out of trouble and off the streets, but having them be massive successes. I mean, two valedictorians, two future tennis stars, doctors, lawyers in this house. And those are the opportunities to show that this is the Williams family uh, movie, just as much as it is the movie about being the father to Venus or the father to Serena. Like, this is a success story on a parental level
1: scene gets the payoff of that scene. She walks across the street and yeah. she gets oh the tell-off. God, that was awesome. The tell-off payoff there. And then he his performance, I thought, in front of the child services was really good. It was, un, it was unhinged. It was like, eh, probably not the best way to talk to child services in this right. moment. Uh, but at the same time, the performance, he didn't even know how to stand in front of them. You could tell he was really angry. But at the same time... It wasn't in his plan. He was in tears, you know, because... Yeah. I mean, clearly he's
0: afraid for being misunderstood in that scene. And right, it wasn't his plan. Yeah. So, I like, I mean, you could... There are, I think, negatives you could take away from this, but I think a lot of the negatives serve at least a purpose within the film. They're uh, not just... Yes. Blights. You have to get
1: to A to B so that you can get right. to y, from Y to Z later on. Right. And I think Ronaldo Marcus Green, he's talked about how the sisters went along with the artistic license... Because they, they grew up on movies just like everybody else. That was the, the big part of the interview. So they knew they, they fought for what they needed to be told about their dad and their mom and themselves. Mm-hmm. But they also they also allowed this to be a movie, and that's probably why it really flows so well in, in my opinion. So I'll say this. I think like some of the goosebump moments of the film to me were the Serena scenes. Like, the, when she gets into the uh, the tournament by herself, and then she's, oh uh, Demi Singleton is, again, why I think she, you know, she's, she's crushing the ball, and then screaming, which was awesome. I was so hyped for that, because that's so
0: Serena. And, and if then, you want to make a sequel that's the Serena coming to prominence movie, I would uh, watch the shit out of it, by the way. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and then, yeah, I mean, Serena gets that moment
1: with her dad looking out. You know he does say about his plan, but he does. I mean, he he probably tells her the truth. I mean, that's the thing with kids. If you don't tell them the truth, they're going to figure it out anyway. Right, right. That's what I've learned as a coach of twelve years. So you you might as well tell them. If you, you can't hide the truth from them, they're going to see through your BS at the end of the day. And he just told her, "It's like, listen, I, I knew you were tough. I knew this would drive you. I knew you had it in you to be in your sister's shadow. And and now that I could see what you're about, you're going to be the greatest of all time." And he's right. He's 100% right, which mm-hmm. is usually the case with younger brothers and sisters, by the way, yeah, that I've noticed more often than not.
0: I'm the greatest. You're right. Thank you for that. Oh, uh, <laughs> You needed that one. Uh, what else? There's yeah, worse here. I, so I think we've hit on pretty much all of mine. I mean, the Ingenue Ellis scene, those back-to-back scenes where she's going for her Oscar and then Will Smith goes for his Oscar. I That could be – you know, if it wasn't done so well and so captivatingly and just so magnificently acted and written, then you could say that was a contrivance in and of itself. But, you know, it came off just great, I think. And that's, that's, man, this is a really good screenplay. I hope it gets the recognition that we both want it to within the Academy because it does some pretty special things in its degree of difficulty. The tightrope it does walk is pretty outstanding. Uh, because this is serena and venus's involvement Mm -hmm. again i you could you could make some arguments about this not being as true to life but when they're the ones kind of calling the shots and they are as hands-on and the entire family is as hands-on as they are this is the story they wanted to tell and this is the story if you go in with that mindset that this is the story they wanted to tell this is the story you're getting I, i think it's tough to argue with what we get i think if you're reading the
1: context clues you have lynn and isha on set every day and guiding the script, mm-hmm. the screenwriting process, you have Oris, you have all four sisters plus the mother being interviewed. The father's not involved at all, right? And then you have at towards the end, Venus and Serena agreeing to put their stamp of approval on it. Like to, like to me, reading the context clues there, there's a lot of approval. Now, I don't know. I mean, family dynamics, as everybody knows, including us are very complicated sure. so who the hell knows if this is rose colored glasses for whatever reason I, I don't know I, I but to me reading the context clues like I, I don't get the proclamations uh, against the movie just as a movie I get the proclamations against the systemic problems of the movie industry Right. and this movie does draw some attention to that at this stage I don't know. I I don't know how you uh, I don't know how you sift through all this in terms of what what effect does it have on best picture campaigns. I mean, we saw in a whole nother lane in a whole nother you know situation the Green Book issues, right. how that family was upset about the portrayals,
0: which obviously had no impact on its ability to win multiple Oscars.
1: Right. So what the what do the is the, I mean is this even a controversy? I don't know. I just i, I think at the end of the day, it would be great to have the Venus and Serena story, their POV as well, and and they should have a Last Dance level, uh, documentary series. Yeah, yeah. On on them, and and, and you this know,
0: again, like just you could you know I know you if that's what you want, then you shouldn't have to have this movie before. But like again, if they wanted to make a sequel that's about the the rise of these two athletes through their profession. I don't know who wouldn't watch that if it's. I mean, this is this is a captivating story. This is great. Everything about this is is really well done. I think,
1: and, and you know, just a, again as a coach of twelve years, I learned a lot from this portrayal. I learned a yeah. lot. I think, I think some sports are different than others, but I do think you know, I, I do think Richard Williams's strengths and weaknesses all being there, and, and, and there there are many, there are more strengths than weaknesses, but I think uh, I think you learn from both. Uh, and I think I, it's one of the better movies about fatherhood that I think I've seen in a while. Uh, yeah, it's well not put. just coaching. And I, again, I, what do I know about that? I'm not a dad, but I, I, I really my, – my guess is it's one of the better movies <laughs> made about fatherhood. <laughs> I, I have a good dad, so it reminded me of him in a way. So, I, yeah, so that's where I'm at, at right um, now. So, Just grill. a uh... –
0: Uh, Yeah, a point of uh, maybe notification before we get the grades. We keep talking about how the uh, four daughters were involved as much as they were. The reason the fifth daughter was not involved, unfortunately, uh, Tundi Price was uh, uh, murdered, essentially. (laughs) Tragically. Uh, In 2003, I think it was. I was looking this up uh, as I was watching the film. uh, She was... basically just a, a standby victim in a shootout and uh tragically was like like you said uh passed away uh, after suffering a multiple yeah. wounds so uh not to just wanted to get that on the record so you don't think there's like one sister that's holding out or anything just figured i'd address it but no, yeah. the
1: rest the, the the family shown on screen here with the yeah. exception of the father they're involved in this right film.
0: exactly yeah. so uh worth saying uh i talked we we both this conversation made me bring myself up a point. So I'm a B plus eighty eight. I mean, this is this is great. This is one of the best movies I've seen all year. It's it's in my top five right
1: now as well. I'm I'm really excited about its best picture chances, and I, I would be very happy if it, it really is a contender. At the end of the day, B plus eighty nine. It's it's uh, is, just it's had rate. to outdo me, didn't I you? Just Jesus. have <laughs> to just get that needle, like phantom <laughs> needle. And be we a were talking more about whose heart
0: is more open to love of film. Well, before, but then this. again, yeah, no, my heart
1: is much more open mm-hmm. than your miserable, mm-hmm. just poisoned one. But no that, argument that, that speaks more <laughs> volumes. Typically, there's a three point curve, <laughs> right? Right. Right. So if you're that high, if you're this high, it's one of your best of the year. Yeah, it says a lot. So where I'm at right now is I have Mass and Coda from early on in the year that haven't done a ton of rewatches to Coda. Obviously, we, we talked about those are on this top tier. The Rescue from the Fall Festivals uh, along with Belfast and King Richard. Those are my top five right now. Am I, will that be my top five at the end of the year? I have no idea, but I feel good about those five movies. Very good.
0: I want you to revisit Belfast in like a month or two, and, and I'm very curious to see your rewatch. My
1: whole thing with Belfast, though, just like this movie, like I don't have a lot of
0: wavering on it,
1: because this movie I watched three and a half times over yesterday, and,
0: and I watched Belfast three times over a week. I feel like this movie is something unique. And I feel like Belfast, as char- it's it's again probably the most charming movie we've had, if if not just in this year, than in the last couple. But I just feel like it's the type of movie we we get a few times a year, or the, at least once every other year. I think the tone is very different. I think the screenwriting
1: is very different. I just, I mean, in terms of in terms of the edit, I, I, it's not an apples to apples, is what I would say. I think. I think the Belf- Belfast is unique in how rose-colored it is on purpose, and then there's so much below the surface That's uh, that explodes. Obviously, in in the scenes that that really uh, that really that really jar you. It's not like Roma where you're just this impending dread throughout the film. It's very mm. different. Where it's kind of the art film version.
0: Not of nearly Belfast. enough. Not nearly enough penis. Yeah, you're right. Well,
1: Belfast is like the. Uh, <laughs> It's like the crowd-pleaser version of Roma, I would say. And this this is, to me, again, this is like the best sports movie we've had in a while. And we've been dying for a good sports movie, right?
0: It's very, very good. It reminded me of the feeling coming out of, uh, what's the ice hockey one there?
1: Uh,
0: The U.S. Olympic team.
1: Oh, uh, Miracle. Yeah. But but this... Miracle was kind of about the sports journey in the sense of let's go. It was this more game to that game.
0: We certainly more blockbuster. Formulaic yeah, too. Yeah, this was. is, this is a movie
1: set in the world of sports. That's really about other stuff.
0: I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. And it
1: comes back to, it comes back to it's, you know, the matches at the
0: end. Yeah. Uh, definitely worth the watch. And, and as always, what matters to us, dear listeners is your thoughts. we clearly want to know what do you think about king richard how did you watch it were you in theaters did you watch it at home what is the grade you gave it uh, what did mike and i miss what were we right or wrong on you can tell us all of that as well as any other thoughts comments questions or concerns you have about anything we do here in the mmo empire you can leave us all of those on our social media as we are mike mike and oscar uh on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you hear podcasts. And if you're listening to us on the Apple Podcast app, if you would be so kind as to leave us a five star review, it would take a couple seconds out of your day and make our entire one in turn. Uh, Michael, we're getting pretty busy, so tell the good people what's coming next. And we're actually going to try to get one more episode recorded before Turkey Day. We're going to try very hard to. Consume
1: House of Gucci before we consume too much turkey. <laughs> I'm a dork. That should have been the title of a movie. <laughs> too much turkey. House of Gucci, a big family movie for Thanksgiving. I'm sure that family uh, will be much more dysfunctional
0: than ours. Uh,
1: can I say that? Can I say Jared
0: Leto's character should just be added into every film. I haven't even seen it yet, but I just want that guy around everything. I'm
1: looking forward to House of Gucci. Then we have uh, The Power of the Dog. After yeah. that, we've already scheduled that recording with a with a special guest before we come back to the Oscar race checkpointing and cover the Gothams. The Gothams, we're going to have an actual award show uh, to talk about winners and losers from an uh, award show that we watch and that will review the broadcast as well. So, yeah, I mean, we've get- covered a few winners, sets of winners and noms up till now, but yeah.
0: Getting to be show. actual awards and precursor time. Uh, what, what are some words of wisdom? Let's go out on a high note here. Oh, <sighs> I did not prepare words of wisdom. I'll just say
1: Orosine Price, uh, Oracine Williams at the time. Everything she said in this movie was wise. Can we do that? <laughs> you know, Because I didn't write down, like, well, who might be
0: wise? No, I like, I like that. I like that. Everything she yeah.
1: said in this movie, those were the touchstones. The words uh, of wisdom
0: is what she said.
1: What she said. <laughs> yeah.
0: So that's why I'm like,
1: you know, I learned from the women of this movie, the strong women yeah. of this
0: movie. Yeah. Well put by you, sir. (laughs) Guys, when reality sucks, you can come check out the top contenders with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya.